Hello, and welcome to 7th Level Bardcast. My name's Jason, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Jared and Michael. Today we're going to talk about Moral Compass. Let's get into it. Hello, listeners. Just wanted to make a quick announcement before we start the show today. We now have a Patreon account. So if you like the show, jump on over and check it out so you can support the show and help us keep doing what we're doing. We would also like to give a shout-out to those who are supporting us so far. Flumpf Pucker, Robert K., and Tarpan Caravan. Thank you so much for your support, you guys. All right, hello, guys. Uh, We're here to talk about Moral Compass, something that we have been excited to talk about for quite some time. Um, I'm sure if you've been listening to any of the episodes in this season, you have heard us mention it. Um, Yeah. I'm ready to tear this up. Oh. <laughs> All right, Michael's ready to tear it up. That's right. Um, I kind of want to start as like defining it, but you know, I guess for each of us, like, what does when we talk about moral compass, what what exactly does that mean to you, Michael? Well. It is very difficult to come up with a very concise definition for moral compass because of its nuance and the subtle levels that it can have. But at its core, it is the values that you hold on a conscious level that help you make decisions that you think are good or correct for you. Now, that doesn't mean that you're selfish and that you're self-centered or anything along those lines. It's that you as a person have principles and and possibly your own uh, way of looking at the world, your own perceptions, and and how each one of your decisions interacts with that. But at its core, I think that it is the values that you have that help you make those decisions. I very much, uh, I very much agree with Michael, with the one exception of, to me, a lot of people either confuse or intertwine uh, codes, mainly like honor codes or sometimes even legal codes with a moral compass. Those two things do not have any sort of relation in my opinion what about a code of ethics um there's a bit more blurry but i'd still say that a moral compass is not a code of ethics and a code of ethics is not a moral compass so therefore they are even though they might blur the lines they are two separate things in my opinion i see for me i feel like a code of ethics is part of your moral compass like it very well could be yeah i because I, when I was thinking about, you know, what it is to me, it was, you know, a code of ethics kind of jumped into my head. But, you know, I, I think there's definitely a, in your own head, there is a defined set of things that you consider to be, I mean, I don't want to say right and wrong, but what you will do and what you won't do. So, to me, uh, when I thought about that, I was like, code of ethics came to mind. So, anyway. But, yeah. That, I, I mean, I generally agree with Michael's definition. So, um, all right. I I, I really, I, I want to jump in here because uh, I think that there's a, a strong possibility that what Jared has added to this conversation God damn it, what is did I very do? relevant is very relevant to how he views his own values and interaction with the rest of the world. Um, with eliminating or removing codes and and honor and and things like that from the equation, he's essentially saying uh, you can have all of these codes of ethics and these these laws on the books. I'm I'm going to remove them from my process of of it being a moral issue. Um, those have nothing to do with morals. Only my values have something to do with morals. So 
It, it eliminates Jared from saying, I'm lawful good. There's no way he could be lawful good at this point. That is correct in my own view. But just to clarify, I was merely stating that they are separate entities. Uh, kind of like, I don't know, using an analogy, a brick and a wall. A brick and a wall are not the same thing. However, you can still have a brick that goes inside of the wall. You know? You can have a code that goes inside of your moral compass. But that does not mean a code is your moral compass. I think that's fair. Although Michael is correct. Uh, for myself, I usually do remove codes from my moral compass, relying entirely on my values and opinions at the said time. Yeah, and that's what I'm pointing to, is that you have chosen that path. And it's very telling. And I think, it for me, that's kind of where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off analyzing this topic is uh, a reflection and how each one of us looks at it not to assign a an alignment from D&D to you but yeah um those those interactions of um extremes coming and becoming part of you and the personality that you have that helps you make your your decisions the values which don't even get me started on how your values as a person can be completely contradictory to themselves, or you can be a complete hyper whatever it is. Uh, what is it called? Hypocrite. Or whatnot, and still be accurate, or even good, or bad, or whatever, you know? All those things are just kind of part of a human's nature and psyche. So, it's really fun to see how they interact in a, in a more freeform thing, form things such as a role-playing game so that brings me to um the next part of what i want to talk about so we've you've kind of defined how we as people think about you know a moral compass and so my next question is like when you apply it to a character do you think about it in terms of how does that character think about a more themselves in a moral compass or is it more um oh god i don't i don't know how to come up with the secondary way of putting i that. can already tell you um as a player who's playing a character there are a few different ways i go about it sometimes i don't like to be as focused and i like to just kind of twist my natural inclinations into a character so I will build them with a moral compass that while it's not mine, resembles mine with their influences. Other times I do something entirely different. For example, when playing Legend of the Five Rings with Rokugan um, that is very big on Samurai, Code of Honor, Face, and blah blah. And while I didn't try to go too hard on it because it was the first time we were playing and we were playing the clan that is uh, rather absolved of some of the sins in that society or at least, you know, they they don't pay as much weight on that so I could get away with doing it less. If I was to make another character, especially in another clan, I would absolutely have those codes and that idea of faith in the character's moral compass. Because that's such a big foundation in their society and in the game itself that I would... Like, I, I already felt bad with how I did my first character in relation to those two things. So, I don't know if that answers your question, but I thought it did. And, and I think that building off of that, those elements of uh, Rokugan and The Legend of the Five Rings depending on how you've put priority on one of the seven uh, kind of codes uh, in codes the Bushido. Bushi code. Yeah, the Bushido code. How you put priority on different ones is essentially creating the values that you have in society. So if you're really focused on honor, you'll do everything that you can to stay honorable and you might let some of the others slip away. You you you're going to be you're going to be tested really diff, really stringently along the way if you try to 
um, stick to all of them. You're going to have to make some choices and put priorities. So I think the priority choice is where the value lies. Those are your values. Which is also another Whereas thing. I can... the... Oh, sorry. You weren't done. Go ahead. No, no, that that's fine. Go ahead and say what, or, or Jason, I think I kind of uh, ended my thought. Okay, sorry. Uh, I was just going to jump in with, and that's where the thing that I said earlier about humans being very contrary or hypocritical naturally comes into flow. Some of those codes will have you doing completely different things, and yet you're expected to kind of follow all of them, or at least not betray any of them. So it's very, very much a conflict of moral dilemma sometimes about where your priorities lie, what ones you feel have more importance. And uh, some there's no right answer, even when the two answers are complete opposites. And sometimes your character tries to do both of them, even though they're complete opposites. <laughs> Before we jump away to getting into games and their different ways that they handle uh, a moral compass... I would like to get Michael's uh, kind of like, how do you apply a moral compass to characters that you're playing? Do you like how much influence from you comes into it or at all? Or do you just kind of think like the personality of this character, how would it handle a moral compass? To be brutally honest, I think that is the one aspect of every character I've ever had that is decided as I'm creating it. I don't usually come up with a background or, you know, anything that resembles uh, helpfulness to the GM in that aspect. But I do, I do try to set their principles and what motivates them. And so for me, uh, their moral compass becomes kind of the first building blocks of their personality. If I am playing, for example, a, a character that has a, a more roguish background, well, he's obviously not going to be building on values that respect any kind of order or law. He's going to um, have aspects of uh, how he interacts with other people in society and and his values will be based around that. So I think that is the, the building block I start with. That's why it's so hard for me to come up with a background because I'm still thinking about, okay, well, if he comes across an, a, a point in his existence where he has a choice of starving or stealing food, what does he do? Um, those, those questions that come, uh, that help set the value and the principle of the character. And that's where I start building out from there. So take, for example, um, my warlock in, in, in Jason's game. What was his value? Well, he, he, he felt inadequate. Uh, he constantly was questioning himself. Mostly because he had come from a, a poor family and he had made this horrible deal with this trash heap that made him feel even less of a person. So he constantly pushed out against people to keep people at arm's length, but he was always trying to prove himself and make decisions that... um didn't exactly make him heroic, but allowed him to accomplish something. He wanted to win. It, it was driving him all the time to to accomplish something and, and complete a goal. And and that's kind of where I built that character out from certain elements in that. And, and it led to a, a very fun warlock to play, even though I think that the most useless class in D&D ever. <laughs> Did that, did that help answer your question, Jason? No, absolutely it did. And um, I'd like to throw my piece in there because, um, funny enough, I usually take the opposite with this in that I let my moral compass develop in that character as gameplay goes along. Um, but I will say that 
for me, if there was something that I can say will consistently match up with my personality to my character is that um, when emotions are high, um, that is the... Uh, that is when my moral compass is most likely to go out the window. Um, because the same can be said for me as a person. Um, when I'm angry or sad or frustrated, uh, those are the times when it's most likely that um, my personal code will uh, go, uh, you know, be set aside and... And then later on, I will look back at that and, and and assess why I did that. Anyway, so it happens with my characters in the game as well. Michael. Yeah, so I have a curious follow-up question to that because I think it's, and I'm, and I'm assuming quite a bit here based off of where we started gaming and the elements that we learned first. For me, my first game, of course, was D&D, and, and alignment was is crucial to those characters, in at least in first and second edition, of what kind of class you could play. And so you always looked at alignment as kind of that first building block. And so I'm curious as to if your first games maybe developed or 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 started you off in the way you do it? Do you feel like maybe the system that you were running in or playing in uh, helps kind of shape you? Um, the first system I played in was Rifts, and it has uh, an alignment system very similar to uh, D&D. It, different words, but it uses, you know, basically the same system. They just use different... Um, uh, adjectives to describe how you act but you know um you know we always as players leaned more towards um probably probably chaotic evil or chaotic neutral um you know there was a lot of chaos involved I, i'm trying to think of the words but um I can't remember any of the descriptive words they use for theirs. Well, if, uh, if I remember right... I'd have to uh, look it up, but anyway. If I remember right, it's like scrupulous, unscrupulous, and... Yep, and, scrupulous, unscrupulous. And I can't yeah. remember the, the really Actually, chaotic one. I have one. the Riffs book right here. Yeah, I can't remember the really chaotic one, but it's... Yeah, anyway, but that's where I started with Jared... This was actually a very interesting question. You started with D&D, right? Yes, but I also started with 10 years of listening to actual plays from probably 20 plus different systems. From Shadowrun to D&D to, uh, what's it called? The, uh, Darkness, World of Darkness, to, um, even ones like where you play as a Viking, not one of the ones that are going raiding, but one of the ones that are back in their uh, fiefs, ruling as a yawl or insubordinate to a yawl, or, you know, Pendragon. I uh, really osmosis a lot of different systems. However, and I think it shows, what actually got to me in my whole moral compass is it's not about my own compass. It's not about the mechanics or even the story. It's about the character's moral compass. Because that's what I really latched onto in the things that I watched and listened to was the character's individual stories tying together. And so when I look at my own characters or I try to make a character, yes, I take into account the story, I take into account the setting and the mechanics, but I really try to focus on what makes the character the character. And if I can't do that entirely, I try to take parts of myself and invest them into the character to kind of change it into something new to experience. 
But I'm actually really happy you asked that question because I was thinking, or it made me think quite a bit about where my roots came from, which, funnily enough, aren't from playing, but from watching. Yeah, and I think over the years, mine has evolved. I think mine's evolved from that alignment system to World of Darkness, to be honest. I, think I like World of Darkness, Moral Compass. So, that actually brings me to the next thing that I'd like to jump into, which is... Um, assessing those situations or those systems and how they handle um, how you should look at more compass for your character um, because we have a different sets that we've just talked about you know we have D with alignments and we have rifts that i talked about with also alignments and um and then you have the other side of the spectrum where you have um blades in the dark where there's really no definition of moral compass to start with um you don't have anything to define yourself by well i mean but it's also assumed that uh you're part of like a crew of like of somebody who walks outside the law however i want to say something really interesting about creating a crew and that is one of the important things. You don't just create your character, you create your crew. But you also, Blades in the Dark and its derivatives really plays a thing not on how you view yourself or your own actions, but how others view them. Like, it's not about whether you think you're, you and your crew are brutal. It's does the world think you're brutal, you know? Yeah, we're going to end up in some conversations that we had initially in the Heroes topic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, how much those laws actually mean really helps determine how much it means to be lawful, um, as far as an alignment goes. I would also like to put forward, and I got this idea basically from devils, lawful doesn't actually mean laws, it means a code that is stringent to follow. So whether it, it, you don't, you can be lawful, go to another country and break all their laws. Because they're not your laws, they are not your code, they're not what you follow. Kind of like devils. They're completely evil, they will break the spirit of the contract, but they don't break the words of the contract. Because that is what their law requires of them, basically. It's what their code is. And, and to be honest, that is kind of the heart of uh, Legend of the Five Rings. Uh, everybody looks at the, at the code, the Bushido code, in a different way. They're all lawful, but in their own way, they're also not um, very lawful. Because yeah. all of them break the code at some point. Not only that, but you don't follow it how I follow it, so we have to discuss and basically correct each other into following our path or acknowledging each other's path as rightful because you could be considered wrong and if you're wrong even if you're not if you're wrong it's a problem it's a very political problem yeah what are you thinking about over there jason you seem to be contemplating something um, I, I just think I've, I've never thought about it in that way. I've always considered lawful to be, con- you know, you follow the law that everybody knows to be law. Um, not at all, you know, your own personal code. Um, I guess to me, following your own personal code would be neutral. Uh, uh, that's not to say that your interpretations of lawful cannot have subtle differences. You can you can be lawful good and and follow a, your own internal code and do good for other people or you could be a stringent follower of the law as far as long as the greater good is served. So it, it, there's a it, those are extremes of just one little piece of the puzzle. Also the funny thing is uh, what you just called neutral, Jason, I pretty much almost always take neutral and exchange it with the word pragmatic. 
somebody who's neutral isn't following their own code, but they think it's okay to break their code as long as there's a good enough reason, or as long as there's outstanding circumstances, blah blah blah. They don't all, like you said, starving or stealing food. Uh, somebody who's neutral would steal food to eat, because they are desperate. Where somebody who is actually lawful, even if it's no law against stealing food, if they think taking from another is wrong, they will starve. I think we're diving deep right now because I, I, I really I think thought that, that was the purpose of yeah. this. These are interpret yeah. <laughs> interpretation of the words. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, because to me the the secondary part of your alignment is really where that that determines what you're gonna choose to break and why. Whereas the law side of it kind of says how you feel about those codes. I don't know. I don't want to dive too deep into D&D That's why I've been kind of trying to bring other wards into it, to be honest, because we have been heavily focused on the cross ward that is D&D. The tic-tac-toe I mean, board of moral compasses. That so. Go ahead, Jason. My, Michael brought up World of Darkness, so I really want to get, you know like an idea of you know how you feel that is handled you know you talked about it being one of your favorites um why and how so (laughs) i love it okay for the for the how it's that on on two different levels it comes into play you have nature and demeanor Every character has a nature. Every character has a demeanor. And we're talking old World of Darkness here because you start bringing in other things and you'll go down a rabbit hole. But old World of Darkness had nature and demeanor. Nature was your true self. It was how you viewed yourself. And it was usually applied to an archetype. Um. And so was, so was demeanor. But demeanor is what you... Pr- project to the world around you. However, that is only one slice of the pie. You also have the the roads of humanity, uh, the, the, the mechanic that degrades over time. If you're playing vampire or if you're playing werewolf, they have their own uh, thing where they, they have a balance between the wolf side and the, the human side, and they fight against that. And, and over time, they can go one way or another, and it, it degrades their power. It's, it's, a, it's a mechanical method of, of showing where they stand on certain things. Uh, for vampires, humanity, of course, is you have a code uh, depending on uh, you know, the path that you're on. Uh, humanity basically is the – it follows the idea that if you harm another person or if you – kill a person on down and it has sins of humanity. That is a, a mechanical method of kind of governing a, a, a particular supernatural race, but nature and demeanor are found across the board and they're more based on uh, those archetypes of what is internal and what is projected. And I think that is it's kind of a unique way of looking at how you would be able to role play the character and make decisions. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? I have not really experienced any of the old World of Darkness like you. I've only pretty much actually played in the games you've run. However, what I really like is when I was creating a character, it always started with that first title those two words that you put together to then build the rest of your character around uh i think my two were lost guardian for a promethean and something like remorseful something for a vampire and because of that i was very easily able to extract what their kind of drives and motivations were as well as what their limits were what do they regret what do they strive for how do they view the world around them, and thus, how do they purport themselves into the world around them? So, for example, the Lost Guardian had some very 
strong attachments to very certain keywords, and whenever those were in play, his moral compass would always guide him to them. Even if they weren't in the right, he still projected them as being in the right. So it was interesting, and in the same way, the remorseful vampire um, was almost trying to strip himself of his vampirism or even just kill himself in some spectacular way or just basically uh, lose his soul. And in doing so, he was very much uh, mopey and sad and whatnot, which very much feel like adjectives to a, you know, the emotions of the character. But they really helped me understand what his priorities were. What did he view as okay? What were the limits? What was okay as long as these things were in fact? It really gave me... By knowing his emotions, I could tell where his compass was. And that's just why I particularly you, like what? it. Sorry. Michael, what were... The, it's vice and what? Vice and virtue. Yeah. Virtue. That's the word Those I Those are also fun. Okay, yeah. I was like, I know it's vice. Vice and virtue. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I I I I like those, but I'm gonna speak to, to the humanity aspect um, because I enjoy humanity because um, in that term, it's laying out that these are the laws or codes that are part of being a human, and in in the concept of all of those things that make up world of darkness what it really comes down to is that they're all tied to the human race in that there's a code of humanity that will break all of those they may not all use the word humanity but it's all part of this ultimate function that will break the universe or break the structure of humanity um if you go too far with it you know just like if you use too much magic you cause a rip in time and you know that affects humanity (laughs) um so in vampire it's called humanity because you were once human but, you know, all of those things have a tie to that ultimate code of, of, you know, how do we keep the status quo in the universe? Um, and so I think it, it, it brings up that quandary of, you know, how things function. Yeah, go ahead. Michael. So think about your favorite game, Geist. That game is based off of the idea that your character has to find that balance between being in the material world and being in the ghost world. And depending on which side holds more sway can alter your ability to do things in the game. And so you kind of have to use that element in your decisions of what is of value to you. And so humanity uh, does the same thing for, uh, well, it's not just, it's not limited to, (coughs) it's not limited to vampires. Uh, Humans can do it too. It's a, it's the human, the enlightened human. And then there's the beast side. And so it's a it's a struggle. And all of the supernatural races have that struggle. And they really fight and make decisions based off of where they want to... Do they want to be balanced or do they want to go to one side or the other? And so that's kind of the elegant piece of the puzzle in World of Darkness. One of the things that I've really picked up on, especially in this conversation, is the humanity mechanic for each or whatever they rename it as, because it's basically a fairly similar mechanic 
as you said, between all the races, is also very interesting because I can almost relate it with uh, society or sociability. Because as you lose more of your humanity, a lot of times you become the monstrous things that you are usually fighting against. You become the uh, rabid vampire who's been sealed away in the sewers. You become uh, an outcast somewhere on the outside of the city. You you really start lacking the interaction between you and the rest of society, which is kind of interesting in my view. I also realize another reason why I like World of Darkness uh, moral compass, and that's because it's not tied to one simple thing. You know, it's you have your humanity counter, you have your vice and virtue, you have your original creation concepts, you have you have a lot of things to fall back on and to look at to guide your moral compass around. So that actually opens it up for um, one of the big questions that I have. Um, as far as the system goes, so systems in general. Um, we have, as we just discussed, quite a bit of um, different ways to look at it in different systems. Um, as far as moral compass is concerned, where do you feel like the line is for having too much definition and not enough? Like, do you feel like there's a point in the system where it's like, okay, you're tying my moral compass too much to my character's actions and then to the opposite end, not enough of my character's actions are tied to some sort of moral compass. Is there a defining line? I don't. Guys? Honestly, I don't think there is. Um, I think it's more important how they go about it rather than how much there is of it. Because as we've discussed, the D&D option of having that tic-tac-toe grid of where do you fall in line is pretty disparaged by myself at least i don't know about you two and if you look at stuff like uh legend of the five rings and rokugan that's that's very heavily involved in most of the actions your character will take but it doesn't really need to be there's a lot of it really just depends on the person individually and how you want to go about playing i think I don't think there's ever going to be a correct amount of how much to tie in and leave out and whatnot. Not to fall back on alignment in D&D, but it's kind of a, it's a touchstone for all of us. We understand kind of what it means, so it's easier to kind of refer to it. But <clears throat> alignment, in my mind, has always been a a guidance. It's not a rule book. It's... A suggestion. It's not a law. It's something that helps you develop an idea, not hold to a hardcore, uh, stringent box that you have to stay in. A, uh, if you label your character lawful good, <clears throat> every thought doesn't have to be lawful good. It's your actions and your thoughts that push that forward and so it's kind of a guidance uh to how your character is so to answer your question jason i i think that if you try to define it more you're going to hamper things because people are going to try to fulfill every aspect of your definition in order to meet that extreme but if you leave it <clears throat> at one word or even a short definition, then people can use their own thoughts and own uh, interpretations of that short definition to develop a unique way of pursuing that aspect of, of a moral compass. Um, I think you both have great um, points. Um. I'm going to say for me, uh, so there is a line and I think that line is what Michael just talked about. If a system says like, this is a defining line 
for your character, then they've overstepped their bounds. Um, you shouldn't be testing every action that your character takes against that definition of moral compass in the system. It should be, as Michael just said, something that you can fall back on when it's like, okay, my character's trying to make a decision. How do I measure that up against their moral compass? But when they're just taking actions and you're you're pretty sure that they're doing them, that's role-playing. Like, you're getting in the mood of that character and you shouldn't be, as a GM, you shouldn't be breaking that, um, uh, like, role-playing. You shouldn't be breaking that, um, <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, as things are moving forward, whatever. Flow. Um, you shouldn't be, flow, thank you, shouldn't be breaking the flow in order to, to say, like, oh, does that actually fit with your moral compass? Um, the reason I bring that up is because there's a lot of that talk in the rules for Zweihander. Um, and it has a lot of good, yeah, it has a lot of good information in there. And it, it talks about, you know, calling out to your GM when you're questioning whether or not you're actually approaching the proper, um, you know, order or chaos that that makes up more a uh, Zweihander but it doesn't actually talk about it as like this is how you should be defining your actions but on the other side of that i do feel like in blaze in the dark um they could at least do with a couple defining things because without them being there i think that it's kind of hard to say well you know how would my character think about this now you can think about it as like if you brought together a good background for your character, you have an idea of who your character is, um, you can make those decisions. But I think it's good to at least have one or two words that you can use to kind of wrangle yourself, help you decide where your character is guided. Yeah, Michael. So on that thought, I think those one or two words are the vice. I I think that. Vice in Blades in the Dark and its other hacks can, it, it doesn't define it for you, but it can help you understand your character. Because if you have obligation, say you have an obligation to your family, well, that right there kind of says that your values are based around a core community that you come from, uh, that, that family. And so how do you interact with the rest of the world based off of that obligation? It's a thought. It's not, you know, nailed down in it. But it could lead you to developing that kind of uh, a background for your character in that particular game. But I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think that they could add some to it. But you could do that as a, as a player and there's no rule against it. I, for myself, I do kind of what Michael says, but I also enjoy mixing in the looks. For example, if I have somebody who, as I mentioned earlier, looks brutal. Even if that's not how the character actually acts, I purport them because that's they got a reputation. They have that look for a reason. So, even if that isn't the true compass of my character, it's the compass of the actions I take while on interacting with jobs and whatnot which is most of what that game is so you both have uh a good way to look at however it's a player made way um but as michael said exactly there's no defining in the book and i think that's part of the problem yeah. for me is that my my whole idea for this is that systematically there should be some sort of definition um because then everybody i mean yeah sure i'm gonna find a way to do it um but you know if i had an initial guidance it would be a lot more helpful <laughs> uh i guess that's just for me though i mean if you remember in the very beginning of blades in the dark john harper describes what kind of a person you are 
uh, you are a bold type of character. And not saying that that's giving you what you're looking for, but it's it's the it's the idea that 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 game is providing you with all of these opportunities to create different characters because the players control so much of that game and they can suggest things that you as a as a as a character you fall into basically a trope of being you know this cunning type of personality that's going to go out and be bold and and risk their life to do all these things well what are the values based behind that what's your motivation again that you're right it comes from the player it's not in the system but it, it it the themes are there and you know i can say this all day long but uh, you know i was just thinking about it. i don't really have it in my game that i developed i didn't give any sort of you know I'll, the only thing i said in mind was your actions are going to determine how people see you and how you feel about yourself um which draws draws back to the original definition that i gave your values help determine your decisions and set forth your actions. And then you're kind of, in, that is interpreted by the society around you. So I, I, I think you're spot on there. Um, yeah, I think, uh, that pretty much covers everything that I personally had like written down that I want to talk about, but is there anything that you guys feel like we didn't cover in this topic? I mean, again, it's such a topic with so many wearing holes that we could literally just turn this into an eight-hour thing going down each tendril, so... There's a lot of things we didn't cover, and a lot of things that I'd like to delve deeper into, but I don't rightly think that it's uh, an appropriate use of our time. Or our listeners' time. Well, we had touched on Zweihander, and it's got a, a quite unique mechanic. Whereas you were talking earlier... It's something that you discuss with the uh, the game master, and it gives you a mechanical effect. And if I were going to add anything else to this discussion, it would be how these different systems interact with mechanics in the game, whether they're in D and D. You you had the old alignment, and it also determined what kind of class and what kind of spells would affect you. In uh, Legend of the Five Rings, your your path on the code, the Bushido code, determined your honor, and that could have huge mechanics effects. In Zweihander, if you go towards your order alignment, you could start to uh, gain uh, um, you know bonuses to rolls or. I believe you get you can get to the point where you get fate points, which can help you protect you from yeah, yeah fate points. And then the other end of it, chaos alignment, you can start to lose control of of who you are and develop mutations, and it really just goes way off. And but it it that not only mechanically will affect you, but it will affect the way your character is shaped and thinks. So I like that interaction of mechanics. And alignment. So, I would have to say that something I'm hearing that, you know, what a good system could do would be to, how is your definition of moral compass in the system helping to create role play and growth? Yep. Yeah, I think... Yeah, because I think if you're if you're if it's hitting those two points really well, then I think you've done a good job of creating a solid moral compass systematic mechanic. I agree. I, no, I I think that's spot on because that that really helps uh, make it very concise more more so than what I've been able to uh, uh, share in this conversation. It was a rambler anyways. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, did you want to give us uh, some wrap-up thoughts? Uh, sure. Um, so, Moral Compass, we've jumped around to different systems and different interpretations. 
uh, moral codes and essentially the way I defined it was your internal values and how it, those values affect your decisions and how society kind of views your actions based off of those decisions. And I think that in gaming, we have an opportunity to give our characters growth through their um, moral compass showing through in each story that's presented to them. And it helps uh, as players to see our character grow and interact with our group so that those moral compass can actually be seen by the other party members in the society around them to help understand the values that each individual character has. And I think once you've established those values, uh, you have an opportunity to help create, as a group, a better shared narrative. Well put. Good job. All right. Well, uh, this is a fun one. Um, we've been looking forward to it. Hopefully it fulfilled all of our needs and pro yeah, no, no not you, at you're all. Right. We're, yeah, we're going to come back to we're going to have to get this one again. Again. Um, <laughs> nobody, <laughs> hopefully it gave you guys some insight into how we view it and gives you a new view on, uh, moral compass. So until next time, this has been Jason. This has been Michael. And this has been Jared. Bye-bye. This has been a production of 7th Level Bardcast, copyright 2021. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to 7th Level Bardcast. You can find links to previous shows, resources, and our social media at 7thlevelbardcast.com. Also, connect with us through our Discord link on the website. We invite our audience to offer feedback, suggest a topic, or for a quick conversation. To support the show, like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcatcher. Music provided by Arthur Vinke.